Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade the Podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Klimsimech. On each episode, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come share with you their life and career journeys, from entrepreneurs to nine to fivers and everyone in between. Our guests go through all of the highs and all the lows of this life journey that have brought them to being who they are today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. On today's show, we have Oluetu Leshabani. Oluetu is a brand strategist, a media entrepreneur, speaker, a mental health advocate, and she's also the founder of the Red Wings Project, which is an NGO aimed at collecting and supplying sanitary pads for underprivileged young women, as well as the host of the podcast, The Sit Down with Oluetu, which I love, by the way. I love you. I love the guests that you have on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Welcome to the show, Oluetu. Thank you. I just want to correct, not mental health advocate, oh. though I do advocate for mental health, but yes. maternal health advocate. I actually made a mistake. I actually wrote maternal health. I'm so sorry about that. Yes, maternal health advocate. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on the show and even Thank more excited so to get into your me. story. Yes. Thank okay. You. So Thank you very much. Let's dive right into it, right? So we like to start all the way from the beginning, all the way back. So take us back to younger Oluetu growing up, what was it like being you growing up, going to school as a younger woman? So I, I mean, I was born in PE, Port Elizabeth, Eastern Cape, um, grew up everywhere across South Africa because my dad worked for an SOE. So he got um, transferred quite a lot around the country. Um, but one of my most significant memories of growing up is just being this inquisitive and um, this child that asked a lot of questions, spoke a lot, had the gift of the gab, which <laughs> I think I've sort of turned into a, a business of sort now to be this inquisitive personality who's constantly asking questions, um, constantly looking to just know more than what I know. Um, I mean, my dad being transferred quite a lot uh, meant I was constantly changing schools, meeting new people, changing friends, um, reinventing myself uh, who, uh, as who I am. So I think that's basically been who I've, I was growing up and along my schooling journey. That makes sense because from just watching you, um, like watching your journey you seem to like pivot very well depending on your passions and like it looks like you just follow where your passions lead you at that time and it makes sense when you say you grew up um, changing environments so often and do you think that maybe contributed to how you're able to to adapt today I think it did it, it could play a huge contributing factor to who I am and being able to just um, pivot and to be better to transform I always um, I mean I've said before that I was always the person who as I was changing schools and as I was you know my dad was being transferred to a new place as the family was moving I constantly felt the need to always reevaluate who I was and look at what can I do better? Which part of Oluetu do I want to take on with me as I'm moving? And I think it gave me a sense of therapy as well in who I was and helped me to self-improve each time my dad was being transferred, each time I had to change schools, mm. each time our environment changed, I always looked at who do I want to be now? 
what kind of a person do I want to be now? Which part of order do I want to take on? Which part do I leave behind? I guess that has pros and cons to it because it sounds a bit schizo to always want to evolve, <laughs> to always want to change, to always want to be a different person. But it had a con to it in that I was always reflecting. I was always given the opportunity to be a different person, to leave some behind, take some, to, to, to take some of me forward, to you know, manage the people around me because they didn't really know who I was and just manage their expectation of me. And I think it also gave a lot of load off my back that I'm not taking on people that have preconceived ideas of who I am. And I have the ability to keep improving myself beyond just what people think I am. I can constantly just be a fresh, new person, better person, with um, I'm always willing to learn. I am always willing to be teachable. I, you know, I had to leave a, I had to leave a lot of, um, I mean, I, I remember an experience of going from one boarding school to another. The first boarding school was a terrible boarding school experience, but mm. I took the pros that I learned from that boarding school and I left the cons behind. And I was like, I'm not going to do what I did. Um, you know, I, I, I got bullied. I got, um, Mm. you know, I I felt done under there. So how do I become a better person when moving into a new boarding school? I need to develop a thick skin. I need to stand up for myself better. I need to realize that everybody's here for themselves in this world. Mm. So I take those qualities on and I become that person. So I think that's definitely taught me um, how to, how to show up in the world Mm. um, and to keep, just keep evolving keep being a better person, allow yourself to evolve, allow yourself to, um, to always reflect on who you want to be, what you want to be about and keep learning from the people around you. People everywhere um, give us teachable moments. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Mm. So did you know while you were growing up what you wanted to be? I had ideas of what I wanted to be. I remember reflecting um, with my mom. I wanted to be Deborah Patter ah. at some point, <laughs> like the next, the next Deborah Patter, because I was so inquisitive. And yeah. I was really intrigued back then by Deborah Patter and um, her interviews on Third Degree in the day. Mm. And then I was an A student. So I was quite the nerd growing up um, from, you know, having A's in maths, A's in science, biology. I took accounting. So my parents thought, okay, um, quantity surveying is definitely your field. Mm. Um, and I loved property as well. And I had a huge fascination for houses and property. So my parents thought it, it would be quite the, um, it would be a good idea to do quantity surveying. I had an aunt who's also a quantity surveyor. So I think that was also quite informed by she's doing well in, um, for herself in her field so it could be a good career path i yeah. went on to um, study quantity surveying at um, at up but i was financially excluded in my second year um so and my parents were also going through a separation at the time um which they would later on divorce so there was a lot of financial strain around that time i had to downgrade or let me not say downgrade because it's i had to change degrees to a less expensive degree um, which was bcom to change to a BCom communications, which also I found to be quite eye-opening. You know, the BCom serves me now and and the the learnings of a BCom degree. And then I went on still to, I remember meeting my husband and saying, I have a huge fascination and still love for property. And he said, why don't you go on and do a qualification in property? 
and I did a qualification um, property investment, which I then went on and worked in a property company uh, managing properties, which was an amazing experience. But I later on changed to a marketing industry where I was headhunted to work for a below the line marketing company. But that was literally my, you know, I switched from wanting to be Deborah Patter through to wanting to be my aunt who was a QS, who was a very successful businesswoman with a um, quantity surveying qualification, um, big investments in, in property to now being a person who has qualifications in property, but working in the marketing industry. Mm, mm, wow. That's actually so interesting that you, 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 you kind of did a, a bit of a back and forth there while you were kind of finding your feet into which world you wanted to, to go into. Um, why yeah, did yeah. you mm-hmm. go into marketing though? I think I found it fascinating. I also think there was a niggly feeling in me that the media and the marketing industry might be something that I could be good at. Mm. Um, marketing was, it, it came so naturally to me. Um, I, you know, working in the property space and working for a property management company, a lot of my marketing skills that were innate in me and probably were soft skills that I'd developed over time because I'd worked in promotions and I'd taken up piss jobs to, to, to pay for my school fees back in varsity. I had picked up these marketing traits along the way. So I'd applied them in terms of property management, property sales, um, helping a lot of our clients to be able to find investment property and then managing those investment properties on their behalf in the company that I worked for. Um, so then those things sort of filtered into the marketing industry and a lot of principles around marketing as well are building properties and growing properties and looking after those properties and finding right ways to market these properties that Mm -hmm. the brands are building. So I think a lot of, there were so many commonalities that um, I played off, I guess, from the qualification that I, I had and the experience that I had in property and a lot of principles that I applied to the marketing space. So it wasn't a really difficult transition. Um, I had to upskill myself though. I did a lot of courses in digital. I did online courses. I did um, courses by correspondence to get to know the marketing and digital space. So that also just required the, the know-how to talk the language. And my husband also is, is big on, if you really want to get into a space and you, and you want to be taken seriously, you've got to take it seriously. Mm. So you've got to research. So when I was in property, I was eating, sleeping, breathing property. And when I, sw- when I switched over to marketing, I was eating, sleeping, breathing marketing um, every moment of every day. I was reading up what are the top marketing trends. I was subscribing to every single platform, what are the marketing trends. And as soon as the digital trend was, was um, introduced and was picking up, I was there. I was subscribing to every newsletter that there was. I was getting onto the courses. I was teaching myself. I was learning and growing within the industry as it was evolving. And I think catching that wave quite early helped me to be able to service a lot of my small, um, but earlier on clients. And I say small because, you know, back then I was still eating and and I put this very loosely. We were eating scraps from the, underneath the table of boardrooms. So you would be sitting in a meeting as a, uh, as as a very small service provider to, um, to, to certain brands and certain companies, you had a small role, but, 
you'd, you'd, you'd be servicing a very, very small portion of the account, but you'd be playing such a pivotal, a pivotal role and you'd be learning and growing. So, you know, swinging between the PR company mm. and the creative agency and trying to find digital solutions to their concepts. Um, it was, it was an, an exciting and an amazing time back then in the, in the marketing space as um, digital was just taking a pickup. Oh yeah. That's so, that's, that's very interesting because, you know, as a young, young people, and I had this conversation with one of my previous guests, Nozipo, where we're basically, we're conditioned into thinking that there's one path to getting somewhere and that a degree or diploma is the path. But I love that you're saying that you actually like found alternative ways. Of course, you also, like you said, you took online courses, but you found other ways to upskill yourself, not just trying to follow the traditional route of go and get a degree in this if you want to be that type of thing. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, I had a conversation on IG Live um, two days ago with Ipileng Mkari. And one of the things that she highlighted herself is you don't always have to be the most, and I'm paraphrasing her, you don't have to be the most qualified or have all Mm. the know-how. Learning on the job is okay. Be serious about it though. You need, we need to be serious about learning on the job and allowing yourself to be teachable in every moment. And once again, eat, sleep, breathe what you are doing. If mm. you really want to do it, eat, sleep, breathe it and research and sponge as much as you can and be the best at what you do through just being um, inquisitive, questioning, asking the right questions, mm. reading the right material. Mm. Mm. And, and how has your career journey evolved from then to now? I think it's, I mean, I started my own agency, which was, um, first it was the below the line agency. Then we moved into creative shop, which is a, um, digital strategy agency, which we do still do digital strategies. We still consult, but I had a huge then focus to start my blog and which was a personal project, which became a business in itself. Mm. Um, and then, starting up the podcast, which is much later and starting up these property, um, starting up these concepts in terms of digital, um, online digital strategies and properties was much later. But I think nothing much has changed in terms of the brand strategy business um, at Creative Shop. It's always been brand conceptualizing, working between the PR agencies and the creative um, agencies to find digital solutions for um, certain campaigns or certain brands. Um, so that really hasn't changed much, but the influencer industry has shifted quite a lot yes. from, remember we used to have promoters in stores. Back yes. in the day. <laughs> now prom- promoters are online now and they're mm. called pra- ma- macro influencers, micro influencers, nano influencers. And that has shifted quite a lot, has changed quite a lot. Uh, you don't necessarily need a promoter in a store anymore. You just sort of give an influencer a bottle of something or a product for them to talk about online. So mm. I think below the line marketing has changed quite a bit in that sense. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to shift back to in-store influencers, especially after COVID-19. Yeah. But our influ- I'm sorry, not influencers, promoters. But those functions are sitting within the digital space. And it's just, just watch the evolution of all of that. 
And I think that is what's important for us to watch these evolutions. How is one thing shifting in another? And, and that's how um, industries change. Mm, mm, absolutely. We need, we need, you need to focus on what's happening around you. And like even the smallest thing that you might think is irrelevant could actually be the thing that's causing the shift, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a bit about when you started your NGO, the Red Wings Project. And what, what encouraged you to do that? So we have, my, my husband has a domestic who has been working for him for years since he finished varsity and started his first job. So she was, um, she still works for us. Excuse me. She still works for us. And so she came to the house um, regularly. We, we, you know, we go to the community there where she stays in Clipfontaine. And we drop off, you know, some groceries or we drop off some stuff. And I give her some of my clothing to give to her neighbors um, and the, the young kids and the young girls in the community. Or the young, especially there's a grandmother who lives just on her street who has a um, few young girls that live with her and as well as boys. So these are her great grandchildren and her great grandchildren that live in this house with her. And it's a very small house, literally Turum. Mm. and there's like six of them and I think there's more now because there's grandchildren as well now but these um you know so it's providing for these children can be strenuous for a pensioner so we just do very small things my husband and I for them just give them a little bit of um money and then just at the end of the year just go give them some food packages for um for the December period And obviously you take for granted that a young girl grows and her body changes, right? Mm -hmm. So she comes, she comes to the house and she's telling me the story of how the grandmother had beaten up one of the girls in the street and how this young girl had, um, so so the story then unfolds that the young girl had stolen a panty off the neighbor's line and the panty had been stolen because she only had one panty for school. And she had soiled her panty with her periods. Oh. She had started her periods and was scared to tell her grandmother. because She thought her grandmother would um, assume that she's been sleeping with a boy. Oh. So clearly the conversation had not been had about periods mm. with her. And she, the, the other problem is she doesn't have pads. And then the other problem is she doesn't have, a, she doesn't have enough panties. Mm. So we then started the Red Wings Project to, number one, educate. Yeah. We just found that the issue then is education. Number two issue is that the stigmati- stigmatization, stigmatization, is that the right word? <laughs> stigmatization. Yes, we'll take it. Stigma. Remember, I'm saying, remember I'm saying stigma. The stigma yeah. situation <laughs> is still real. I mean, we take mm-hmm. it for granted because my mother spoke to me about periods. Yeah. So we, we, I'd clearly taken that for granted. And, you know, a lot of us in much more privileged situations, we take those conversations for granted. And the other issue was access. How can we solve access? How can we make corporate companies um, accountable to creating that access to the, the product? How can we have the conversations of 
removal of VAT on sanitary pads, which has now since been removed. There's mm. no more VAT on sanitary products and sanitary pads. So these were the um, the, these were the founding pillars of, of, of the Red Wings project and the story behind why we started the Red Wings project. Mm. Like, I feel like I, I am thinking about how I have taken for granted the fact that um, just the period conversation, I mean, when, when I got my period, I knew what was going on. I knew what to expect. Yeah. I had my mom and my exactly. sister there for me. Um, I had a pack. My mom had a pack for me. I mean, ready. Listen, I was a very late bloom. I was a very late bloomer, right? Yeah. So from, I think, grade five, my mom had already packed a pack of sanitary pads for me to carry in my school bag. So you were prepared. So I only started my prayers probably three years later. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Every day. I took those things for she would remind me, she would remind me constantly, like, you, you know, you'll tell me, right? You'll tell me when auntie arrives. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll tell you. I'll tell you when auntie arrives. Because that's what we called it. Like, when yeah. auntie arrives, you'll tell me, yeah, no, no, no. I'll tell you when auntie arrives. Mm, mm, yeah, we really do take these things for granted. Uh, yeah, I know. So then uh, how did the, the, the sit down come along now? Your podcast. So the sit down... Yeah, so the sit down podcast started. Um, I think it was more as you know a response to a lot of inquiries for more content, for more conversation. I get invited a lot by radio stations to talk about some of my content on Art of Superwoman and have conversation around it. And you know, there'd be experts weighing in on some of these topics and a lot of the people that consume our content ask that I just share more, you know, get more onto more, more get onto more public platforms. I don't necessarily have the time sometimes to be everywhere, be on yeah. all the radio stations <laughs> or, but what I can control is I can set aside a day a week, for example, record the content that I'd like to, um, to, to put out um, within the context of what my content is and the mm. content pillars, what I can do is invite experts to weigh in on that content and weigh in on the con- some of these content pillars and the information that people would like to hear more of and be able to have that, you know, edited and put together on, a, on, on one platform and share that. So I think that was more the inspiration behind starting the sit down podcast and thank god that the podcast industry is picking up and is growing yeah. um, so it allowed us to be able to feed into that um th- that this new wave that is picking up now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what how do you decide i'm just curious because just listening to your journey there's so many um parts that and it, it all links together but they're still very separate mm. right how do you decide that i'm taking on this project besides the the, 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 maybe the motivators that might have happened to shine light on the problem. How do you decide that this is a project mm-hmm. that I want to do? I just, I follow my God nudge, hey? Like for me, it's, I can never explain it. But when I have a God nudge about something, mm-hmm. I just go for it. If there's an, that, you know, th- th- there's this feeling inside, at, like at the bottom of your stomach that you feel <laughs> yeah. something is for you. And there's a calling that is for you, something that you need to do. Um, 
and I just follow that. I literally just follow that and I go with it. And more often than not, God meets me there. Mm. Mm. That's interesting because it's it's definitely something that I battle with where I'm like, is this the right move to make? Should I do that instead? This is very different from everything else that I've done. I question, I question decisions in that way quite a lot. So it's fascinating to see someone like you who um, fully guns blazing goes for the things that you're passionate about. I, I think I've always been that person and... And I think it, it it helps to also have a balance. I've I've mar- I married a person who is 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 less about emotion but more about what makes sense. So there's a good balance in it where he'll say, "Okay, just sleep on it," mm. and then tomorrow, you know, let's make the decision tomorrow. And you know, probably seventy percent of the time. I'll end up like, mm, okay, maybe it, it, it was just an idea, but I might need to think it a little bit more and refine it because I have a tendency to just think and jump. <laughs> but 30% of the time, it's, it's a hit and I, I run with it. Mm. Mm. Okay. So tell us a bit about what have been the highlights of your journey and what have been some of the lowlights of your journey? That's a, that's a, I think that's a tough one. It's not, not <laughs> easy, but a tough, a tough question. Yeah. Um, some of my highlights must be hosting Oh Baby. That's one of my highlights. Oh. Um, that, that must be one of my highlights, hosting Oh Baby. And I think starting the sit down was definitely one of those God nudges that I just jumped on, didn't think twice. And I just ran with definitely starting the sit down. It fed my, like my inquisitive nature. And that's what I enjoy most about it. Mm. Um, Low lights. I don't know if I have any low lights. I I think I, I don't really have any low lights when it comes to my industry. And I think the only thing that I'd probably call, call a low light, but it wasn't necessarily a low light was, the two times when I found myself in, in corporate and workspaces was probably um, the two times when I shouldn't, I, sh- I should have reflected and thought, I thought of my why I went into the corporate space. But once again, I made the decision and then I jumped in and I came out with a lot of lessons and a lot mm-hmm. of networks, um, which I value the most now it created and it opened up so much, so many more doors when I did leave those corporate spaces. Um, but it wasn't the big times of my life, but I guess some of the things we do do that are we're pushed towards are for the lessons, not necessarily for the enjoyment. Yeah, that's true. What are some of the lessons that you took out of that experience? Um, it was, You'll, I think you'll, you'll never be recognized necessarily for the amount of work that you do. No, that, and, and, and this sounds so, it sounds so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it is the honest it hurts. In the corp, in the, it, it, it's, it's a truth that hurts a lot. Mm. In the corporate world, it is literally 80% of the networks and the, um, and the contact with people that you make that matters more than the work that you put in. The work that you put in um, it, it, it matters, but I've found that it matters 20% more than the 80% when you leave corporate and how you're able to leverage 
those networks and you're able to leverage the people that you've worked with and the community of people that talk about you and talk about your work. Mm. Mm. Uh, what's, what's some of the, I've never asked my guests this, but I'm curious to know from you, but what's some of the worst career advice that you've ever received? To work my ass off and sleep okay. less, work more. <laughs> I, I actually don't like that narrative, hey? <laughs> okay. I think that's the worst career advice. Put your head down and work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't like that narrative as well. Um, yeah, like don't sleep, uh, work however many hours. I'm just like, there's a lot more to it. Like you just said, yes. now it's, it's not just, yes, you must work hard at everything you do 100% and commit, but it's not just about that. I think when it comes to corporate and working for somebody, set boundaries. But, you know, I believe in the work hard and, you know, and grind to what you want when you are building something of your own. It sounds mm. very selfish, but that's the reality. But in corporate spaces, I just think boundaries. Know when, where your work and your deliverables start and end. Set boundaries with the uh, with the people that you work with. They'll respect you for that more than they'll respect a. Um, and and I learned this the hard way. You're really respected for pulling an all nighter. It's like, oh, thanks. You did you did your work? Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah that hurts because you because in your heart you're like you're giving your all and this is how you are, are proving that you're showing up but you actually you're absolutely right about that it's like okay but most people will do that anyway they do that anyway and it's you, you you're gonna you're gonna look like you're the crazy one <laughs> <laughs> i promise you i promise you and and who have been some of the influences in your life the biggest influences in your life um, going through your journey? Um, definitely my, my mom and my grandmother, number one. Um, I never remember sleeping, um, sleeping hungry. I never remember, I, you know, there's pictures where I'd look at a photo album and I don't remember us ever as children looking anything other than picture perfect. So I was like, respect to that because I struggle to keep that together in my house these days and weeks go by without me combing my children's hair. <laughs> so I'm like, props to my mom who had to do two girls' hair and take care of a boy um, at a very young age herself. She was my age. I think she was around my age when she also had three children. So, you know, I, I absolutely res like, I respect them for that. Uh, yeah. My grandmother, when we were at my grandmother's house, we were... We'd, it would be 12 of us at a time at times with our cousins and it would be probably her and one other, um, one other adult. And she kept order. Things were always where they needed to be. The house was always clean. There were no dishes in the sink. Mm. You know, we, were, we all were well fed, never lacking. Everybody knew what their role was in the house. And I look back and I respect that. Mm. Um, other women that played a huge role were and I was just sharing the story once again two days ago on, on my IG live with Upelem Kari. So I was that girl that would sit at exclusive books or CNA, um, you know, every now and again from the ages of about 17, 18, 19, right into like my varsity life. And after I'd sit at 
um, at these bookstores and go to the magazine section and find books and content and magazines on black women doing badass work in the world. Mm. And how I came to find the likes of Pelem Kari, Lynette Nduli, um, Wendy Luhabe, um, yeah, Wendy Luhabe, um, Judy Zamini um, Masana. I read their stories. Um, they ins- these women inspired me so much because I was just like, they look like me. And yes. their stories don't sound like the, you know, the, the, the narrative that we get told of, you've got to start as the cleaner and then end up as. Their stories were, we were educated, we worked, we came um, against adversities and we still rose and we still pushed and we still got ours and we became successful, though there were challenges. And that's what I, I, I looked at and I was like, I'm willing to work, I'm willing mm-hmm. to face the adversity. I'm willing to read and study and immerse myself if this is what um, the outcome will be. Mm. Mm, absolutely. So, 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 Oleti, firstly, thank you so much. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing, um, sharing your story with me and all our listeners. So there's a question that um, I love to ask all of my guests, right? Yes. Um, so the question comes from my favorite quote which is be who you needed when you were younger. So mm-hmm. I love that quote because I Absolutely. feel like when we were younger, we all needed someone, whether or not we knew Absolutely. it. We might have needed to just hear something, get a little pat on our shoulder, just whatever it is. And I feel like if we needed it then, then there's surely a young person mm-hmm. that needs it now. So Absolutely. I always ask my guests this question. If you could go back mm-hmm. and talk to your younger self, it could be, the younger you, when you were still a child moving around, it could be when you were in varsity. It could even be you last year because you were still younger, you know. Um, if mm. you could go back and talk to your younger self, what would mm. you say to her? I think I'd say to her that it'll all work out. Um, follow, follow that inner voice. Follow that God nudge. I think there were a lot of instances where that inner voice and that God nudge, I trusted what external voices um, were saying rather than following that gut feeling. Um, I'd go back and say to her, it'll, it'll all work out. One day you'll find that inner voice, you'll follow that God nudge and everything will fall into place. Mm, everything will fall into place. It'll all work out. Um, that's actually interesting because I feel like a lot of my guests tend to say something very similar to that. It's like, are we, are we just like so anxious as kids, as young people? We're always nervous. We are. We, we, we are. must, we are, hey? And, and, and we count on, I think, obviously because we're naive and we don't know yeah. better and it's, it's understandable. It's also part of the journey. We would, we would take, we'd take that for granted in itself, mm-hmm. that following that inner voice. If, if, um, if we were not to, if, if we were actually to just have known it then, but we, we want to be able to have other people tell us what we need to do next. We, mm-hmm. you know, when you're 18, you're still, dependent you, you don't know any better you're still dependent on your mom saying okay this is this is the route now this is what the next step is now mm-hmm. if only i'd known that that nudge that said just write just write what you are feeling 
one day, like start now, write what you are feeling. Somebody will connect with it. Mm. It is at the age of 23 when after I had my second child where I decided I'm going to follow this inner voice. I'm going to start writing that writing. Some of it sits in magazines now that Mm. writing, some of it's on podcasts now that writing has called me to radio stations that writing has put me onto TV platforms to talk about all these issues that we deal with as women. And it just stemmed from writing from that inner voice, um, writing from a place of healing, writing from a place of honesty, writing from a place of authenticity has placed me on the platforms that I have right now. Mm. Mm. Listen to your inner voice, just follow it. Yeah, uh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, thank you so much, Charity. So what, what, what's next? What's next for you? What can we expect from you next? Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I, it's so, it's, and, and it's the one, for once in my life, I really don't know. I've got everything planned. I usually have a lot of things, like I have things planned out in my life, right? Mm-hmm. But at this point, and it goes back to the conversation that I was having on Insta Live today. Um, today we had um, womanomics um, on, on, on our platform. Thursdays we talk about finances, we talk about womanomics on IG Live. And, you know, one thing that stood out for me that Kim Potrita said is we, we plan so much. I mean, her herself, she's a retirement, um, a retirement coach. Um, so she's an advisor to people and talks to them about retirement and mm. helps them structure their retirements. And she says, we need to put those things aside for now. There's no time like right now to be the most present. Live in yeah. the moment, live in the present. It's the worst time right now to be talking about long-term things. It's the worst <laughs> time right now to be talking about saving and investments and um, planning for the future and planning for retirement. Um, I'm turning 30 this year. And for once in my life, I'm just like, I'm living in the moment. I'm taking each moment as it comes. I'm taking each God nudge as it comes. And maybe ask me after August, after this lockdown has ended, after COVID-19, perhaps they would have found, we pray to God that they would have found a vaccine by then. But for now, I'm just living in the present. Just living in the present. I'm just enjoying my family. Absolutely. I'm just enjoying my family. I'm enjoying learning how my children learn, which completely fascinates me right now, how different they are, (laughs) raised under the same roof. I'm just enjoying being present around them and being present with them. I kid you not, last year I interviewed um, Zimasa on this platform and she said the same thing. She's like, you know what, Pelo, I don't know what I'm doing next. I'm turning 30 and I'm kind of just... Um, go being in the moment, living in the moment. <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> what are the chances? Because I say this because also I'm, I'm thinking about the fact that I was I was watching your IG live with Zimasa the, the other day. Yes. So yeah. Anyway, that yeah, that that just took now. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. I absolutely love her. I yeah, love her. Too, definitely. Me too. <laughs> okay thank you so much how can our oh thank you so so much for coming on to this platform i've really enjoyed this conversation and how can our guests get in touch with you before we say goodbye so i, I have <laughs> i have all these platforms um from i instagram twitter i'm always at always to lesh o-l-w-e the number two l-e-s-h 
Um, my blog is The Art of Superwoman, www.artofsuperwoman.com. Um, the Sit Down podcast on every podcasting platform. Uh, what else am I missing? I think those are all my platforms, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's more, we'll find out from those platforms. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you so, so much, Olet. Thank you so, so much for even just trusting She Brigade with your story. I really do appreciate thank you, it. Hello. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we love to engage with all of you. So feel free to pop us an email if you have any feedback or guest recommendations on info at shebrigade.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so don't forget to tag us on your posts at SheBrigade. See you next week.